0: Welcome to the BodyWise podcast, focusing on the new Maudsley carer skills with me, Harriet Parsons, psychotherapist and training and development manager with BodyWise, and Jenny Langley, author of Caring for a Loved One with an Eating Disorder, the new Maudsley skills-based training manual. Each episode in this podcast series will focus on one particular aspect of the new Maudsley carer skills. We will explain the concept, talk through the ideas behind the skill, and learn how that particular skill can benefit carers. Welcome to episode 15. In this episode, we're focusing on the nutritional risk ruler and the concept of reasonable risk. The nutritional risk ruler is similar to the readiness ruler and is a useful tool carers can use to open up conversations about change or moving forward in terms of the person with the eating disorder taking more responsibility for their own nutritional health. Jenny, it's lovely to see you, welcome. Hi, Harriet. it's great to be here. Jenny, before we start, could you talk about the idea of encouraging the person to take more responsibility for their nutritional health? Are we talking mainly about adults and young adults or older teens? Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Because because it's quite a big ask, like with a younger
1: child, you would think, well, parents are in charge anyways. particularly with the FBT model, which is you're the parents, you're in charge, go home and feed your child. Mm-hmm. But for me, the, the these techniques are really useful, whatever the age of the patient. So so I could use the nutritional risk ruler with my son when he was age 12. And I know that some families have even used this kind of concept. you'd adapt the language a little bit, but this type kind of concept even with younger children than that now, obviously it's a difficult topic, isn't it talking about are you able to look after your nutritional health so it's just that this is a really, really good tool for families to be able to use. You don't even have to really do the on a scale of naught to ten. It could just be, you know, let's just talk about your confidence and then open the conversation now what you're here as we go through this is that sometimes you've you've got to be really really thinking i need to roll with resistance if there's resistance here so we can always come back to this conversation later because it is quite a sensitive conversation when you're talking with whatever age your loved one is is about them taking back this responsibility which for somebody who's never had an eating disorder they naturally would start to do that wouldn't they now the other thing that i've seen in families that can happen is that because you know, you get to phase two of FBT, which is hand control back to your loved one. Sometimes parents feel that almost they have to give too much responsibility back for the age of the person. So it's it's really useful to think about, "Mm, Okay, so if I've got a 14 year old who's never had an eating disorder, would I be asking them to take this much responsibility? So it's good to be kind of reflecting and checking in with yourself when you're using these tools as well.
0: Excellent, and I suppose having conversations about food is one of the most difficult things of supporting a person with an eating disorder. These conversations can be fraught, they can be triggering, and everyone can feel less confident about talking about food and eating. Um, with somebody with an eating disorder. So it's great to have a tool that can help facilitate those discussions in a safe way and that can boost people's confidence to be able to have those conversations. So could you talk us through the, what the Nutritional Risk Ruler is? So what is it, um, when does a person consider using it and how do they use it?
1: Okay, so
0: we're familiar with
1: the readiness ruler, aren't we? So. And we can use the readiness ruler in the conversation about nutrition. Mm-hmm. So I might say, Sam, on a scale of zero to 10, how much do you want to take responsibility for your own food or nutrition? And he might say 10. And then I might say, Sam, how confident are you that you could take responsibility? Mm, maybe four or five. Maybe better if you can help me, mum, you know, that sort of thing. So that would be the readiness ruler version. Now with the nutritional ruler, nu- nutritional risk ruler, it's very often you're comparing their level of confidence to your own level of confidence of what you think they can do based on what you're observing. So with the nutritional risk ruler, I might say to my son, so on a scale of 0 to 10, how confident are you that you can look after your nutritional health when you go to university? And he might say 10. Now I might see that he's been over-exercising and cutting down on food a little bit. So I would explore his you know, his um response of 10. So I'd say, wow, that's amazing. That's fantastic. Tell me more about that. What have you What have you arranged in terms of your nutrition at university or work or wherever it might be? So kind of being curious rather than me being furious. Well, it's clearly not 10 because he's overexercising and he's cutting down on some of his foods. So first of all, I'd be curious and say, tell me more about how you get that score of 10. And then once I've got the engagement with him, then I'd be able to explore maybe the other side of it. So I might say, mm, okay, so that's really interesting. Thank you, Sam. What I'd like to do, if it's okay with you, because we always ask permission, don't we, when we want to give our opinion on something, if it's okay with you, could I maybe tell you what my score would be in terms of what I've been observing at the moment? Now, I might get kickback from Sam. He might say, F off or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't, You don't trust me, you don't believe in me. Or he might say, if you must, and then I could say, well, I've been noticing this and I've been noticing that. And so at the moment, the score maybe that I would give you on this scale would be more like five or six, but I'm your ally, ally Sa- Sam, I'm here to help you. I'm here to support you to, to really make sure that you have thought things through and you're really properly prepared to get to university and be able to look after your n- nutritional health, yeah? Mm-hmm. So if he, if he, in a different scenario, if he said I'm not at all confident can you help me Mm -hmm. so I'd say so 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 realistically what score would you give yourself two or three That might be the other way around. I might be more confident because I've seen that he's been making such progress. So I could give him a share of affirmations. We love our affirmations, don't we, about how far he's come. I could help him to think about specific things that he's achieved, maybe in facing his fear foods or difficult social situations. So we could have a really lovely conversation about that. And then I could kind of say, well, so so that's that's great that you can give yourself that score of three. Because I know two months ago, it would have been more like zero. So so help me understand more about that, Sam. How did you get from zero to three? And then what could we do to help you to get from three to three and a half or three to four? Mm -hmm. There's so many different ways that you can use this ruler, but it's a really lovely way to open up these what could be very difficult conversations.
0: Okay. And could you tell us a little bit about um, what your thoughts on reasonable risk are? Because this comes into um to the nutritional risk ruler and when you use it
1: absolutely yeah so so carers often ask me in 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 the workshops or in the support group should i let my loved one go back to riding her horse or playing his football or go to university or go on the school ski trip Mm -hmm. okay so this is one version where we can think about okay well they're asking me about that so they really want to do it so we have to be careful don't we about the difference between the punishment and the motivation Yes. So punishment will be, well, you can only go back to that if you stick with your meal plan or something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, that feels like punishment. Hmm. So you can lose that connection with the young person. So what we want to be thinking about. So we've got this kind of list of questions that we can be asking ourselves as carers. So my son maybe is asking me, can he go back to football? And. I think my head's going, "Mm, I'm not sure about that. It was compulsive exercise that made him ill. And my heart's thinking he really needs to get back to football because it was always his passion. So part of his pathway back to his normal life is going to be playing football. Mm -hmm. So the questions I can ask is what happens if nothing changes and we don't take the risk? He's not allowed to go back to football. So I know what's going to happen. He's going to be utterly, utterly fed up he's not going to want to talk to me he'll think I don't understand him he'll hate everything he's more likely to revert to his eating disorder behaviors okay and then what's the worst thing that can happen so the second question what's the worst thing that can happen if we take this risk to let him go back to football well the worst thing is that he might start to lose a bit of weight because of the extra activity and then he might start to cut down on the food a bit but we can keep an eye on that but that is the worst thing he's not you know he's not going to drop down with a heart attack because he's been to a football course for three hours mm. okay then we could think what's the most likely thing that will happen so carers know their loved ones best So the most likely thing for my son is he's going to really really feel that he's making great progress back to normal life he's really going to enjoy the football and he's going to start to realize that i'm trusting him to start to take responsibility so on balance am I prepared to take that reasonable risk and I've told this story in one of the previous podcasts haven't I where the inpatient psychiatrist was saying no it's too risky and the outpatient psychiatrist was saying yes you should let him go back um and we did let him go back because because he said to me Jenny you know what to look out for Mm. you're there to provide that safety scaffold around your son okay so so this helps carers to kind of be um less risk averse and to be able to visualize okay I do feel nervous about this but I can really support my son or daughter or husband or wife to do this yeah yeah now the other part the other side of looking at reasonable risk is if something is happening at the moment which is leading to a deterioration so to to rapid weight loss or a reappearance of many of the eating sort of rituals or something like that so that's really common so we'd slightly adapt the question so imagine you've got a young lady who's been discharged from inpatient care she's got a job at the local garden center she's working maybe eight hours a day um and she's she's still you know pretty much sticking to her meal plan but you can see she's going into energy deficit because she's got this extra activity so your instinct would be to nag her to eat more wouldn't it Mm -hmm. or to reduce her hours Mm -hmm. but so the questions we would ask then slightly different angle So what happens if no risk is taken and the carers step in and stop the young lady going to work at the garden centre?
0: She's going to feel miserable and she's going to resent them and she's going to feel like she can't do anything and what's the point?
1: So punishment? Yeah. yeah. So second question, what is the worst thing that can happen for this young lady if this level of activity continues?
0: that she keeps on losing weight, that she starts restricting her food more and more, and that she ends up not being able to work in the class. And
1: she might end up having to go back to the inpatient.
0: Yeah. yeah, That's scary, isn't it?
1: Yeah. That is scary, okay? What's the most likely thing that will happen if this level, level of activity continues? So remember that the, the carers will have learned all the skills. They'll be thinking what tools they can tap into. So what's the most likely thing if the carers decide to support their loved one, to carry on working in the garden centre, but they use their t- tools and skills that they've learned to support her to make sure that she's taking responsibility to make up for this energy deficit that's that's come about?
0: Well, they'll have to support her. They'll have to be um, more with her, more involved and, and help her to kind of keep going every day or every time she's working they're going to be have to really be beside her aren't they
1: yeah and and we always say this in the workshops don't we that if you can see that medical risk is increasing Mm. then as a carer you're going to step in and Mm. be more supportive yes not completely take over but but really using your skills to help support support that young lady to make her own decisions Mm. to get back on track yeah when medical risk is is low so weight is stable getting on with her life then you can really start to take that step back Mm -hmm. so this really helps carers to think about where is my loved one what's going on for them how involved do I need to be Mm -hmm. and how much can I start to step back and get my own life back Mm -hmm. and show that we're really ready to give our loved ones more autonomy and responsibility
0: I remember a couple of years ago, I was at a training workshop with two clinicians from the Maudsley, and they spoke about doing this um, with, say, young adults. So they were older teens, but young adults within the service. And they spoke about um, that structure of safe uncertainty. So it was the idea that they move that a person, when they first come into the service, they're in a position of being unsafe and uncertain. Yeah. And they basically move around into the quadrant that has um, safety, so they are safe, but there's uncertainty. And that's that idea of letting the person go back to their life, back out into the world. Um, things might not go perfectly, and um, things might you know, there might be a little lapse here and there or something might go wrong, but there's a safety there in that both they and the parents and the clinicians are there as that safety net and they have skills and tools to be able to intervene sooner or catch the person or just support the person yeah. through that experience. And again, that's a bit like the idea of living your recovery, you know, that you have to, in order to really let go of the eating disorder, you have to get out into the world and do the normal things and learn how to manage them.
1: Yeah. And you have to take those risks. So yeah. I love that. I love that um, concept of safe uncertainty. Yeah. yeah. We have to let our loved ones take risks or yeah. they're not going to grow. No. They're not gonna. They're not gonna. You know, which animal would we be if we weren't letting our loved ones take any risks? The kangaroo,
0: wouldn't completely.
1: We? Yeah, and I do see carers becoming very kangaroo-like from fear. They become paralysed, and then that family becomes stuck. Yeah. 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 Or they lose the connection with their loved one. All that hard work, all that connection that they've managed to build up, they can lose it very quickly if they become completely risk-averse. So we're really, really helping carers to reflect on the you know the level of the risk with these four questions whichever way around it is mm. and being able to tolerate the distress mm. of letting their loved ones take that bit of risk mm.
0: and even framing it that way giving carers a visual um is really helpful I think I know that when I would have talked around that safe uncertainty um you know within the pillar program and yeah. um, that um you know I remember a dad saying okay right I know where I'm going (laughs) I you know that there's this kind of unknown bit of well what do we do at the end and it was that sense of well I know where I'm going I know that this is the next step this is okay yeah yeah
1: and all the time if we think about the red balloon blue balloon metaphor Mm. all the time we're seeking to help our loved ones to inflate their blue balloon And they cannot inflate their blue balloon if there's no risks being taken.
0: Yeah, very true. So Jenny, many of the people listening will have gone through FBT, family-based treatment, in which they will have or are moving towards the final phase of letting the person take more control of their eating. So is this tool something that can help with that?
1: Absolutely. So we have this exact Situation with my son. So going back to the football example, and and don't forget he was only twelve years old. So you know, so so it can be used basically with any age person. So he wasn't treated with FBT. He was an inpatient, but we had the same dilemma that he's coming home, and my head is saying I need to stand over him every minute and feed him four thousand calories a day, and um you know make sure that he's not being too active on the football pitch. That's, and that, you know, because my fear, but I learned very quickly that there's no way that I can do that. So so in the sense of the kind of the, the, ready, the nutritional risk ruler, mm. so I would say, Sam, I know you really want to go on the football course next week. We need to think about your energy requirements so that you can feed your body in the right way. So Sam, his initial response was to push back. So, mum, I know I'll have to eat more, quite a lot more. I'm OK with that so then I could explore that further so that's really great Sam I'm wondering on a scale of 0 to 10 how confident are you that you know how much you need to eat to give you the right amount of energy so being very specific yeah Mm. Sam not totally sure maybe seven or eight I know you've got my back mum I know you're going to be watching me I know you're going to be keeping an eye on things kind of you would say that with a sense of humour Mm. and so i could say of course i'll be there and i can give you a gentle nudge if if i think you're not getting it right so we've already visualized that i'm there to step in if he needs me to step in Mm. so because if we didn't have this preparatory kind of conversation then the minute i start to set it step in he would immediately be wanting to push back so we're helping him to visualize that i might be stepping in if Mm. if he needs me to step in Mm. okay um so sam then might say Mm, okay maybe, maybe we could make a plan together so he's much more likely to want to sit down and say let's visualize what I do need to eat and we, and we did that and so we you know we helped him to visualize that his packed lunch was going to be twice the size of his mate's packed lunch and he was okay with that mm-hmm. and we had the com- the difficult conversation about and you know you need to be honest with me because I'm not going to be there at lunchtime to watch over you i can come and support you if you need me to come and support you but i'm not going to be there so then we could have the conversation about you know if he if he didn't manage to eat all the lunch he would bring it home Mm -hmm. so we could like it's like contingency planning really isn't it but we opened it up with that kind of nutritional risk ruler Mm -hmm. so it's such a useful tool when you're handing back responsibility
0: yeah and you know what's really coming across is that it helps to establish a trust between you and them yeah. Which, which is key to lots of it isn't it, it it's that's
1: so key really it really really me. is okay. yeah yeah and then of course we went on holiday to France and there was this football course every day yeah. um, and honestly he ate us out of house and home <laughs> and that all started from this little conversation with the nutritional risk ruler because he knew he wanted to play football yeah. and so he was going to feed his body and there was almost that defiance that yeah. you know he'd look at me kind of like cheekily as he's eating the whole chicken from the fridge
0: yeah and Jenny can I ask um were you able to start to relax then yeah oh it's so yeah it
1: it, it is it's so rewarding when you take a risk and they stand up to it yeah like a big part of me was thinking he's not going to be able to do this
0: yeah
1: and I was really scared and really worried and that that fear could have could have made me step in too much Mm. and then he would have got really irritated with me yeah but to have that preparatory conversation and then he would do it Mm. just joyful and he was just so
0: happy to
1: be back playing football
0: yeah yeah lovely lovely so Jenny in the manual you have an exercise on using the nutritional risk ruler when medical risk is high could you talk us through that
1: Yeah. So this is this is more likely to be with the older teenagers Mm -hmm. and the young adults, because obviously, if you've got a 12 year old or even maybe a 14 year old where you see medical risk is high, you've got much more ability as a parent to take them back to the eating disorder service or get in the car and go to Mm A&E. But this is so this is this is really much more with the 16, 17, 18, 19 going on, you know, and grown ups. Yeah. So the videos I've made around the medical risk, I've put a couple of different scenarios about, you know, different, different situations. So. Say we've got someone who's gone to university and you can see that every time you see them, you can see that their weight is just plummeting and you're really worried that medical risk is really high. So, you know, on a scale of 0 to 10, how would you rate your current ability to manage your own nutritional safety? I don't know what you want about, Mum. Leave me alone. So maybe you roll with resistance and then come back to it later. But at some stage, you've got to step in and say, OK, well, I'm really interested that you give yourself that score. So whatever the score is, six or 10 or whatever it is. Do you mind if I, obviously asking permission again, um, do, do you mind if I say what score I would give you based on my observation? And it would be maybe one or two. So that's going to be a difficult conversation, isn't it? And you've got to be very treading very carefully with that. So you might say, I could only give you a one or two at the moment, darling, rather than six. We're really concerned that you're not consuming enough to feed your body. And it seems that you've lost the ability to be aware of your own health. Mm -hmm. Obviously said with no criticism or judgment, but, but, you know, that kind of we have a duty in society to step in Mm -hmm. when your medical risk is getting to such a level that you could faint or collapse or you know your friends might have to call an ambulance that's not what your friends are for so we've really this is you know this is really serious and then you would you would be stepping back in yeah yeah but it's but it but it is a really really good way of kind of saying you know you're not able at the moment darling to take responsibility for your nutritional health and at the end of the day so that you know the the kind of backstop is the mental health act is there yeah. so some families with a with a young adult would be talking about the mental health act again not saying we're going to bring in the men with white coats but darling you know what the consequence is going to be mm. if you carry on down this route so we had a, an example of this with um one of the families a few years ago this was pre-covid mm. and the daughter had gone off to university and the um the friends had rung the mum so it's always quite useful to know the friends at university isn't it mm. the friends had rung the mum and they said let's call her Sally they said Sally's going running at two o'clock in the morning like every night she's going running at two o'clock in the morning and her weight is plummeting mm. okay so then the mum got in contact with Sally Sally was completely resistant you know, leave me alone I can take responsibility Um, I'm actually pissed off that my friends have breached my confidence and you know all that sort of thing but the mum made some excuse that she was going to the university town for an art gallery or something Um, and and she was shocked when she saw her daughter and so she could then use this kind of technique to say you know at the moment I couldn't even give you one darling on this scale of of naught to ten so we're really, really going to have to step back in. And what happened with this family was that the daughter said, look, mum, I really want to do this myself. So she took herself to A&E. Right. And okay. then she then basically she was really dehydrated. She needed immediate medical care. And then she managed her own programme of getting support for her eating disorder of while she was at university. So that was a great outcome. And the mum opened the conversation with the nutritional risk ruler.
0: And would the mum have stepped in and taken her if the girl hadn't have done it herself? Was that where the mum was in her head? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, so she might have said to her daughter, so I really admire Mm. the fact that you want to do this on your own. Prove to me that you can do this on your own. Mm. Um, I need to see some evidence of that before I can get in the car and go back home.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: And obviously the mum could have called an ambulance. Yeah. Yeah. It's very difficult, isn't it? With, you know, lots of universities now do um, suggest to the students that they should sign a form that their parents can be informed if they're not coming to lectures or if they're ill or whatever, but a lot of students are not signing that form. So it's a really useful thing to to get your young person to do when they're going off to university.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And in any service as well, you know, with everything, it's it's more it's more beneficial if there's people supporting the person and they're involved or they can be part of something. Yeah. Not be on the outside. So what are the common pitfalls then that can happen? So so it's always
1: if carers rush in with too much enthusiasm, mm-hmm. so expecting an answer straight straight away. So always having the patience of, of the same, always expecting kickback and always being curious, not furious. So if your son or daughter or husband or wife says 10 and you think zero, take a breath. Mm-hmm. Explore that. Maybe they, they then give you 10 good reasons why you've missed so many things that they've been doing, that yeah. they are seeing a counsellor, they are seeing a dietitian, they are being med- medically checked and you just didn't know that that was happening. And so with your fear, you kind of thought this is complete catastrophe. This is a complete disaster. And then, of course, you can go in like a rhino and just try and take over. So it's very, very much being curious, um, really kind of trying to come alongside your loved one and and then, you know, having your own non-negotiable. So, Mm. "Mm, okay, I know my loved one best. I know that medical risk is really high now. So I know that I need to step in and be a bit firmer because the illness is really taking hold again.
0: Mm. yeah and i guess it you know i'm also thinking that one thing that it does is it opens up the possibility for the person to tell you about um little wins that they're having that you might not notice and because it's not always a dilemma that um you know often we don't see the the negotiation that goes on in the person's head about whether they're going to have you know this piece of fruit or this piece of fruit this type of bread or this type of bread and they might be battling away and actually making progress and actually making non-eating disorder food choices and we don't see that so opening up this conversation is another you know way of allowing them to let us into their world absolutely
1: yeah and and I had one family um that the daughter had gone off to university and then suddenly announced she was vegan so obviously that would ring so many alarm bells wouldn't yeah. it yeah. um why can't you eat a piece of steak you need to you know blah, blah, blah. vegan diets aren't, aren't good for people with eating disorders that would be an instinctive response and then but the but the mum used this approach so hmm, i'm curious about you know that, that that you're adopting this vegan diet tell me more about that And um, it turned out that this young lady had come across Sarah Fuller's guidance on, you know, vegan in refeeding programmes, being vegan in refeeding programmes. And she'd really she'd got a, you know, she got a nutritionist on board. She'd done loads of research. She'd worked out that on her budget, how could she afford to get all the right nutrients that she needed? So she'd done so much work in the background and it could have all gone so wrong if the mum had just gone in with Welly Boots and said, don't be so ridiculous darling you weren't vegan last week so why are you vegan this week which would have been an instinctive reaction wouldn't it Mm -mm. so you know the mum did ask you know so on a scale of 0 to 10 how confident are you that you can look after your nutritional health on your vegan diet at university and the daughter gave her 10 good reasons why she could be confident Mm. so that's a good outcome whereas if the mum had gone in with don't be so ridiculous you can't be vegan she would have got none of that information and they would have just had a disconnect
0: yeah yeah so what kind of feedback do you get from carers who've tried this out then? Yeah, so so that example I just gave you is a really good
1: one. Um, I think carers with younger children, sometimes that, that whole, it's not even going to the final phase of FBT, is it? It's like phase two is giving back some responsibility. So some families, interestingly, some of the families, you know, where their children are neurodivergent or on the autism spectrum, they found it really useful because their loved one really likes numbers. Okay. So, you know that can be that can be really useful. So um, some carers would never use it, and some carers just say, "Yeah, actually, you know, it kind of takes some of the emotion out of that conversation." And the other thing, the other feedback I've had from carers is that it really helps them and their loved ones to celebrate any successes. So when the confidence has gone from three to four, or four to five, or five to ten. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So
1: so it's like you know you can you can kind of check in with yourself yeah we're kind of moving in the right direction it also works the other way around is that it helps carers and the patients to realize when they're going backwards
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so in that way it's also a bit of a summary yeah from our oars yeah
1: and I like um yeah you know I like it because I'm a chartered accountant as you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so is there anything else that you'd like to say about this Jenny
1: just really that that these are really important conversations for, for carers to have with their loved ones. These are difficult conversations. Um, and it's, you know, I would always say write your script, write down your script before you have the conversation and imagine it going in different ways. So again, with the videos I've made about the um, nutritional risk ruler, I, I've given, you know, the example where your loved one's receptive and the example where your loved one says I don't know what you're on about, leave me alone. And then that whole concept of the rolling with, with resistance and coming back another time. And even if your loved one's not prepared to have the conversation with you, some, type, some carers find it useful just to, you know, just to imagine yeah. where their loved one is. So you don't always have to have the conversation or they might incorporate it in a letter or a WhatsApp or a text or an email or something like that. So yeah, so carers use it as with all the tools in many different ways
0: great. And finally, where can people go to find out more?
1: So obviously with my website, you've got the downloadable worksheets you've got I've made several videos to go on this topic. I think this this was the most recent series of videos that I made. so um yeah, I'm pleased I made the video before we did the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah so and then obviously the training manual.
0: Great. Okay. So there you have it. We hope that this episode is helpful for you and encourages you to try out the nutritional risk ruler. If you're planning to help your loved one make a change of some sort and take responsibility for their own nutritional health. Remember an important part of the new Maudsy carer skills is being able to role model behavior and behavior change for your loved one. If you have any questions, please email them to infobodywise.ie, putting new Maudsley Care Skills podcast in the subject line. If we get any questions, we'll endeavor to answer them in future podcasts. And we hope you will join us for our next episode. Until then, take care.